Welcome to a Stonewall's Perspective Podcast. We're on a mission to see lives changed by the gospel, one life at a time. Hey everybody, I just wanted to give you all a quick heads up. There's a little bit of lag in today's episode due to some connectivity issues, but staying through it and listening is definitely worth it because there is a mini special surprise guest by the name of Justin Peters, and he is really amazing, and you're not going to want to miss this episode. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of a Stonewalls Perspective podcast. I'm your host. Alexander Stone. Today I have another special guest with me. He is the founder of Striving for Eternity. He's an author and he is a podcaster and he actually has five podcasts. Please welcome Andrew Rappaport. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Uh, So today, Andrew and I, we're going to be talking about cults. We're going to be talking about a little bit about what some of these cults believe, uh, how cults start and different types of cults and then what the Bible says about cults. But before we get into that, um, Andrew, could you give everyone a little bit about your testimony, where you come from and what you do? Sure. Yeah. I come from a Jewish household. So I, uh, I was raised not with any Christian upbringing, raised to actually believe Jesus Christ is Hitler's God. Uh, That's how we were raised a a generation after the Holocaust when you have uh, the Catholic church that supported uh, Hitler. And so I, I became a Christian about 16 years old and was so bold. I told absolutely no one for two years, <laughs> wow. uh, but eventually my parents found out about it. Uh, they went casket shopping. They were going to bury an empty casket. I was going to be dead to them. And there was, uh, some things that happened in our, in the family that prevent that they decided not to do that. But, uh, I then ended up going off to seminary and, uh, pastoring's church. And I stepped down from pastoring, uh, about 10 years ago, and I uh, started being asked to speak around the world. And so that's primarily what I do for Striving Fraternity. I, I speak, I write, I do podcasting. I, we have an online academy um, where you can take classes for free. We have a class on systematic theology, how to inter- interpret the Bible, world religions, discipleship. And so we have courses like that that are available. Then we have the Christian podcast community, which my five podcasts are, are members of. So mm-hmm. uh, I have the Rap Report, Rap Report. Report Daily, which is a two-minute shorter one, Monday through Friday. I have Apologetics Live, which is a live on Thursday nights. Uh, We have one specifically for the Christian podcasters in the Christian podcast community called Theology Throwdown, where we discuss our differences with love and charity. And then I have one for podcasters like yourself called So You Want to Be a Podcaster, and where we train people to do podcasting. So it's a a little bit of, we, we do a lot of things, but that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Um, and going back to your um, talking about how you speak around the world, you're connected with people like Justin Peters. Um, and that that's really cool uh, to me. Uh, I've looked up to Justin for a while, lot, watched a lot of his videos uh, talking about heresy and everything. And, and he's really cool. Um, so you've written a couple books and these books are about uh, cults um, and what they believe. And then you've written another one uh, called What We Believe. And it's talking about what we believe uh, as the foundation of our faith. Uh, So with all of that being said, um, what is a cult? Uh, So first, we need to realize the definition of a cult. And I'm going to Google it real quick. I forgot to. 
Well, I'll do, I'll do, I'll make it easier for you because I, uh, so in my book, what do they believe? I define a cult. Okay. So there's five elements to a cult. There's a lot of different definitions that you end up having. And I was trying to summarize them down. The one overarching thing you're going to see with a cult group. Now there's a difference between cultic and cult. Mm -hmm. Okay. A cult is something that has maybe four out of the five or three out of the five cult definitions of a cult where, you know, something that is a full on cult, you're going to have all five. And really what the overarching one is control. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with, with a cult is control. The, the five definitions I'm going to give you or five points of definition, what it ends up revealing is that they are using this for control. So the first thing that you'll see is an authoritarianism. Authoritarian meaning that meaning that you're going to have a person or organization that they alone are the only ones that can interpret scripture for you. And so they set themselves actually above scripture. Now, anytime you have anyone that sets themselves as the only arbiters of how to interpret God's word, they essentially set themselves above it because you need them to understand God's word. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the Catholic church with the magisterium, whether it's the watchtower and Jehovah witnesses, Mm -hmm. whether you know, it's the, you know, whoever that, you know, that ends up saying we're the ones that can interpret for you. Yeah. What that often leads to, once they're the only arbiters of God's word, that leads to the second point, which is scripture twisting. That is where they're going to take scripture out of its context, give it new meanings, say, well, this doesn't really mean this. So when you have Jehovah Witnesses, for example, they're, they're going to look at passages that speak about an eternal contempt Right in the same passage, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, where it talks about eternal life and eternal contempt. There's your two. They'll say the eternal doesn't really mean eternal. Well, wait, it says eternal, and it's in the same passage, same sentence with eternal for life. Like, how do you, what means it in one, not in the other? You have scripture twisting. Right. The third thing that you're going to have is exclusivity. In other words, they're the only ones with the truth that kind of goes along with the first one, right? If they're the only ones that are the arbiters for God's word, then they're the only, you can't get the truth outside of that organization or person. So they end up having exclusivity to the truth. What that ends up leading to naturally is an inclusivity. So what they is where they, they just, everyone stays with their own. You will see this with these groups where they don't really talk to people outside. You'll have Jehovah witnesses where if, if you're a Christian, they just know to cut, okay, we're done with you. Like we, we shouldn't be talking to you. They'll never take your material. They won't engage with what you believe. Why? Because they have to stay inside the cult. Mm-hmm. And the fifth is harm. Now this can be in many ways. It could lead to physical harm. There are cults that lead to physical harm. There's definitely in any cult spiritual harm because the whole purpose of the cult is to control you. Mm-hmm. But there's most often what you see is emotional harm. And this is the reason why when people leave a cult, they'll often go back to it. Because one of the things that you see with a cult is they'll do what's called love bombing. What love bombing is, is where they're just everything. They're they're, they're spending their entire day with people that agree with them. And everyone's just showing so much, at least what they think is love. And when someone leaves the cult, what they end up doing is leaving all their friends. They leave all those relationships. And they just feel an emptiness. 
And that is the harm that ends up getting done to people. And that's the reason many people could recognize, yes, this is a cult, but they'll run back to it for an emotional reason. And that's the emotional harm that's caused. So those are the five elements of a cult, authoritarianism, scripture twisting, exclusivity, inclusiveness, and then harm. You know, um, speaking of the the last one, I have a friend who, uh, who grew up Christian and uh, went to a Christian school and, and grew up in church and everything. And he dated a girl who was a Mormon, I believe. Um, and he got into that and he started doing like all the Mormon stuff um, and actually started calling himself a Mormon. And then he was reading the Bible one time and he um, was like, this doesn't line up with scripture. And then he, they got all mad at him and everything because of, because he was calling it out. Um, and he eventually left and they started trying to like love him back in and be like, pray for my brother. Um, and that, that kind of stuck out to me with what you just said. Well, you, I think you you meant to say, you said he was reading the Bible. I think you meant mm-hmm. reading the book of Mormon and, and realizing that didn't, is because the book of Mormon, if, if that's what you, cause you said you were, he was reading the Bible and realized it didn't fit with the Bible. <laughs> so, I, I don't, I don't, it didn't fit with their beliefs, um, about, yeah. about everything. <clears throat> Um, yeah. I, I can't remember everything off the top of my head. It was a couple. No, no, Mormonism is one. Mormonism is one that what you end up seeing is there is a lot of times, especially for younger people, they use dating as a, a tool of evangelism. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately very common. Now, in Mormonism, especially for the girls, uh, they there to, to in mormonism to get to like the highest level of heaven mm-hmm. you have to be temple worthy in other words right. you have to be able to ha- be married in their temple which means your husband must also be a mormon and so there becomes in at the dating relationship a lot of pressure for the guy to become a mormon and then you know after marriage that they would become you know, temple worthy because in their belief system, if they're not married in the temple, then that marriage doesn't get them to be a God of their own planet where they can have spiritual babies Mm -hmm. and, you know, populate the planet. And this is something they get to do because their marriage now is an eternal marriage. Uh, So they believe what went on, what goes on in the temple is a marriage sacrifice, a marriage ceremony, which is very different than we see in the old Testament with the sacrifice system that actually goes on. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, just speaking of uh, Mormonism and everything, that was actually part of the next point in, in our um, t- uh, podcast, uh, talking about what are some cults today. And the first one that I have is Mormonism uh, slash Latter-day Saints. And some of the things that Mormons believe are are just totally crazy. They, they claim... Uh, that without accepting Joseph Smith, there's no salvation and that he was a, he was a prophet and, and it's just all crazy. And they claim special revelation, uh, uh, special revelation. Uh, Joseph Smith claims that, and it's all just weird. Uh, what, what Mormons believe. Um, the next one is Jehovah's. Well, before you jump off that, I mean, it, Mormonism is great science fiction. Mm-hmm. But let's leave it oh, at that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. No, it, when, when you want to look at the differences between some of these, you're going to see that all these are 
ones that are man-made systems. And you know it's a man-made system because man earns his righteousness. For example, in Mormonism, it will say in Second Nephi that we're saved by grace after all you can do. Mm-hmm. So in other words, after you've done all your works and you've worked your way to heaven, anything left over, anything more you need, that's what grace is for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's all based on works and you're always going to see that in a man-made system. That's what makes Christianity different. It's by grace alone. God does the work, not us. Right. Uh, speaking of that, um, let's bring this back to scripture. Uh, it talks about in the Bible, uh, not of works no, that no one may boast. Um, and that's in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And I'm just going to pull it up right here and read the full thing. It says, but for by grace, you are saved through faith and that not of works. Uh, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And even if it was through works, we would lose our salvation because we're all sinful. We're all wretched people. Um, the point of grace is so that we can be saved uh, through faith. And then after we place our faith in Christ, we should do those good works. But Mormonism has twisted that, turned it around and said, no, it's works first and grace, um, which is, which is what, what Mormonism is. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that what you want to notice with these different groups, I mean, Mormonism, for example, and we're saying Mormonism, if there's anyone who is of this belief system, I, I'll just put this caveat, the proper name that they've now, their, their living prophet has declared is that the proper name is Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, that's a mouthful. If I say LDS or Mormonism, it is in no means a disrespect to those who hold to it. It's just easier to say and shortens the podcast by a lot of time if I use the word a lot. So, so what we end up seeing, though, is that you look at their system and what do they have? They have extra books outside of the Bible. The interesting thing is that most people that are within the LDS church don't really read the Bible. They say they will, but really they read the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, these sort of things. They're reading the other works. Right. And this is something that you end up seeing is that the focus is not on where the gospel is. It's on other writings. Yep. And you're going to see that with each one of these cults. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're claiming extra biblical revelation with like the Book of Mormon and everything. Um, and like you said, they claim to read the Bible and everything. I have friends who are Mormon, like a lot of them, because uh, in my school's basketball conference, we have a Mormon school, and I talk to some of them every once in a while. And they're like, yeah, I read the Bible. Um, but that doesn't line up uh, with actually what they do. Um, and like I said, going back to the fact that they claim extra biblical revelation with the Book of Mormon, the written word of God is God's written revelation. There is no revelation after the word of god uh second timothy three sixteen. all scripture is inspired by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of god may be adequate and equipped for every good work so scripture not not the book of mormon not whatever any any other of these cults believe it's the bible that is the word of god not not these extra biblical uh quote-unquote revelations that, that they have. Well, yeah, and when you look at the, their particular system, what you end up having is that they have a different God. Now, when, the, when Mormonism started, they wanted to start, Joseph Smith said that, he, that the gospel 
was, was needed to be restored. It got corrupted, which Jesus said that the gates of hell would never prevail against his church. And yet what you end up having in Mormonism is that the gates of hell did prevail against it, but we needed Joseph Smith to restore it. What's the gospel that they needed restored? They needed a, a restoration of the gospel message that you could be married for eternity and have your own planets. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of grace alone is not what they think, but they used to say they're not Christian. Now there's a big marketing campaign they have of saying we're Christian too. Mm-hmm. Now, they will say that they're, they're Christian like we are Christian. Is that true? Well, one thing to look at is, do they have the same God? And, and I would say, um, sorry, that was Justin Peters calling. I should have actually accepted the call, and that way he could have been on your program. Uh, <laughs> you can call him back. Yeah, maybe we could. So, so here's what you end up having with Mormonism. What you end up having is that they will have a God. They'll say heavenly father. Heavenly father is a different being than Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the physical offspring of heavenly father with his wife. Okay. Mm -hmm. If people who are listening and understand Christian doctrine, understand the doctrine of Trinity and you're going, wait, what? You know, this is very, so they'll say they believe in a Trinity, Mm -hmm. but it's not three persons in one Godhead. It's three persons in three beings. They're three separate gods. And so that is totally different. The fact that we can become God. Wait, where did that sound familiar? Um, Genesis chapter three, that's it. That's exactly what Satan said to Eve. You could be like God. Right. And well, so that's Mormonism for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The next, the next cult that we have uh, is um, Jehovah's Witness, and they are also crazy. They claim to be Christians as well, but then they deny things like the Trinity. They deny... Um, a lot of things. I have a book open right now. Um, it's called uh, uh, Ready Defense. It's by Josh McDowell. It's very useful uh, for learning about cults, for learning about um, so, what some of they believe in it. it. It's just amazing. But they deny um, that Jesus Christ is um, God in human flesh, but they say that he's rather a created being. They uh, it's all just a mess and it goes way against scripture. Well, okay. So let's look at that. Is it really a mess? Well, I mean, not, not as much. And here's something I always remember. Okay. This is hard for a lot of people to think about and wrap their heads about, because when you understand the truth, you look at a system, Mormonism, Jehovah witness, whichever one, and it seems like a mess to us, but they do have a system that is well thought through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is something that they do end up having a system that works for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do, do, would you like a uh, surprise guest? Yes, please. Okay, we'll, we'll see if he calls back. All right. So, <laughs> here we go. Well, welcome to the Airways, Mr. Justin Peters. Although I, hey, Mr. Andrew Rapport. Well, you are on. Let me, let me put this onto the speaker here. Let's see if I could do that. Oh, I probably can't. I'm going to have to do it this way. 
through my headphones. So you're you're on with a 16 year old named Alex Stone on the Stone the, on his podcast, um, and I just the Stonewall perspective. So we're talking about cults. You know a thing or two about that, don't you? Uh, I, that's the rumor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you, what would it take for us to get you onto his podcast to do a show, just you and him? Uh, well, uh, I guess just find a, find a time. Now, this is who Alex, you say? The Alex yep. Stone. That's my name. Alex Stone. Yeah. Yeah, he, 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 sorry, Alex, he can only hear me because I had the headphones on. So he, okay. his name is Alex Stone. Okay. So, uh, hey, Alex. So hey. I, I guess it's uh, on the time when, when we can arrange it. Awesome. You know, he was just talking about you, you know. He was, <laughs> he was saying good things about you. So we haven't gotten to the part of the program where we, we tell him the truth about you, you know. Oh, well, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's got this really little dog. It's a small little, I, it's to me, I call it a rat with hair. I don't know. He, he likes this dog. I don't get it. I do. I do like her. I'm out walking her right now. So, so we're talking about cults, Justin. Got, uh -huh. we're, we're talking about Mormonism. We're talking about uh, um, Jehovah Witnesses. Let me let me ask you a question to get get your your thoughts here. I'm I'm now interviewing uh, Justin for you, Alex. Here we'll see how this goes for your show. Okay. Catholicism. Do you think they would be a cult? Yes, it's theological. Mm -hmm. Yep. See, that's why not, not not sociological, not mm -hmm. uh, Jim Jones drink the Kool Aid kind of a sociological cult. Of course, Jim Jones was sociological and theological, so. Uh, I would say Roman Catholicism is a theological cult, not a sociological cult. Okay. okay so, so right there, Alex, you're seeing that Justin's defining a cult differently even. Now, I figured that way any Roman Catholics that are listening are now upset with Justin and not me. That's the nice thing about speaking at conferences with Justin. He basically names all the names so that no one's upset with me. It you know, works so well. <laughs> Justin, could you explain the difference between the, you know, a sociological cult versus a theological cult? Well, a sociological cult uh, would is primarily okay. There's a lot of overlap in the characteristics of a sociological cult and a theological cult, but a sociological cult does not necessarily include theology. A sociological cult uh, is is basically uh, built around usually one individual or a uh, or a small group of individuals that that's that hold uh, sway over their followers, and their followers mm -hmm. follow them blindly. They they try to cut people off. Mm -hmm. Their followers cut. They try to cut their followers off from their families, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and those kinds of things. So, uh, like Jim Jones, you see all of the marks of a sociological cult, along with their heretical theology so the roman catholic church at least by definition and by its uh its own statements and teachings does not set out to uh cut people off from their families and, and have them uh you know just kind of a, a blind following uh to their own injury per se, but, but their, their theology is certainly heretical in that they compromise and deny some of the fundamental tenets 
of historical Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I would say yes, yes on the theological aspect, no on the sociological aspect. Okay. You that never know sense. who's going to pop in unannounced on the Stonewall's perspective, <laughs> you know? So, That's amazing. Uh, so, well, I know that that just uh, that cheered Alex up. He he was just talking about uh, talking about you. So that's that's uh, you're an encouragement to him. And we'll we'll set up to get him on your show, Alex. How's that sound? That sounds amazing. Says, that so sounds much. amazing. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Justin, to the yes. the Stonewall's perspective. <laughs> oh well, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> My pleasure. My Thank pleasure. you so much. Oh, uh, well, you brothers have a good day. All right. Alex, talk to you later. Talk to you later. All right. Awesome. Okay. So you never know who's going to pop in. (laughs) That that certainly made my day. Uh, That's, that's really cool. Justin is so awesome. If y'all don't know who Justin is, go check him out. Just search in Justin Peters on, on Google and YouTube and you'll find him. And he's amazing. Oh, it says my connection is unstable. It's fine. Um, uh, But with that, with that being said, um, I forgot where we were. Um, well, in your outline, you wanted to talk about how to cult start. Right. right okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I have four points uh, that I kind of found on, searching on the internet and everything. Um, and those four points of how do cults start? First of all, it begins with a charismatic leader. Um, so who's someone who's good at speaking, who, who is able to sway a crowd and everything. Um, and that's, that's even in Christianity right now um, with, with churches like with Bethel and Elevation. Um, they have charismatic leaders like with Bill Johnson and, and Stephen Furtick. And um, I've, I've talked to Doreen Virtue and I've uh, listened to some of her stuff and, and the, the practices that are in those churches are kind of cultish. Um, and it's a little, it's a little weird when you think about it, the fact that even cultism is infiltrating into the Christian church Um and it's honestly kind of sad. Um, but then the next point is it has a transcendent dis, uh, it's, it has a transcendent belief system. Uh, then it has systems of control and then it has systems of influence. And that's kind of how, uh, cults start. Anything you want to, um, well, yeah, I mean, nobody, that. nobody wakes up and says, I want to be a false teacher. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I'm not correct that there are some there. I mean, there's some that see that they could make a lot of money off, being a false teacher. They, they'll look at the word of faith or they'll look at people they think they can sway. But you're right when you say a charismatic leader because if they're not a charismatic leader, they don't get people to buy into their false teaching. Right. right? They, they have to be likable. And this is one of the things you'll always hear. You mentioned some names, Bill, Bill Johnson. People will be like, but he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Of course he is. If he wasn't a nice guy, no one would believe his lies. Exactly. Like that's why they believe the lies because mm-hmm. he is a likable guy. If he's not a likable guy and he's telling things that are false, he doesn't have a following. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Right. So it always is going to revolve around that. You, you have someone or a group of people that they're just persuasive. Mm-hmm. They're likable. They seem holier than you and you want to be like them. They're right. different reasons. But ultimately, they, they, they will end up using their belief systems to control people and get people to do what they want them to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you have to realize is how do people get into cults? Because this is a little bit different. It's how do they start? They start with someone that wants to take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. 
how do people get into cults? Because people don't typically just, again, wake up and say, well, I, I want to be a false teacher. I want to be in false teaching. Right. A lot of times what you see is they will not understand the Bible. They don't really know it, but they're, they're starting to look to one of these cults to refute them. I'll tell you one that I think of, it's not a cult, but there's lots of people that are believe, buying into this flat earth teaching. And people go, how in the world do you believe this? Um, well, there's a reason why they get into it. They start off by trying to refute it. They start off by looking at videos to refute it. And they're studying it out and they're spending hours looking at it. And they're realizing, like I said earlier, it's a, it, the system is closed. It has answers to the problems. Right. Now, we would look at and say, well, they're not really good answers. I can disprove the flat earth in just a very simple exercise. All you have to do is go to the beach, over the ocean, watch a sunrise. Mm-hmm. Okay? And all you do when you watch the sunrise, you see it peek over. Soon as it peaks over the crest of the water, fall to the ground. And you know what you're going to see? A second sunrise. Mm-hmm. It's only possible if it's a sphere. Mm-hmm. That your difference in height made the difference. So it's not above you. It's coming over an edge. So that's, that's a simple thing. But here, how do people get into it? Because they watch all these videos. They start talking to people who end up saying, hey, you know, what is this? And they're now trying to explain it to someone. As they're explaining the system, they're actually convincing themselves of the very system. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to go, hey, this actually makes sense. This has answers because they're providing those answers and they talk themselves into believing a cult. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Right. Um, like you said, um, talking about uh, no one wants to wake up and be a false teacher. Uh, some of these false teachers who have been doing it for a long time um, are starting to become worse and worse in, the- in their theology. Uh, I remember back years ago when, when Joel Osteen actually tried to sound biblical sometimes, and now he's just crazy. He recently came out with a sermon called you are good seed. He's like, you are good seed. And, and you're the bad things that happened to you or the f- fertilizer to make you grow. And it's like all crazy. And he doesn't back it with scripture or anything. Um, but these false teachers and these cult leaders um, are going down the way of Balaam. And if you don't know what the way of Balaam is uh, for my listeners in second Peter two, 14 through 16, it says having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are a accurst- cursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor who loved the wages of his unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of a prophet. So basically what, what the doctrine of Balaam is, is the mix with truth of truth with lies um, saying that I can't curse them outwardly. So I will corrupt them inwardly. And that's exactly what false teachers and what cult leaders are doing today. Yeah, a lot of people don't know the story of Balaam. Balaam can be found in Numbers 22 to 25. Mm-hmm. Now, you read that account, you're, gonna, you're not going to see Balaam mentioned in 25. Mm-hmm. You're going to see in Numbers, it, it will refer to the fact that um, you're going to see it mentioning 24 to t- 22 to 24. Balaam is mentioned. He, is, he seems like he's a, he's a good he won't curse Israel. Right. The king wants him to curse Israel. 
he won't do it. And it seems like this is, this is someone who is, is God's servant. And so what you end up seeing with, with Balaam is Balaam is an example. And the reason he's used as an example by Jude is for a very simple reason, because what he did is he, he did not, you're right. He didn't outwardly curse him. But when you end up looking at the rest of scripture, you end up seeing that Numbers 25 is attributed to him. Well, what happened in Numbers 25? Numbers 25, the king is, is struggling because he wants to get, he wants God to curse Israel. Now, he, he can't get God's prophet to curse him. So how can he get him to be cursed? Well, the way that he ends up getting God to curse him is Balaam says, look, this is what you do. God's not going to let me curse him, uh, curse the people. But if you get your women to go down to the men of Israel and marry with them, then God will curse them. Uh So now what you end up seeing is that they end up doing that. And God ends up saying to them, (coughs) excuse me for that. God ends up saying to them that they were wrong. Uh And God ends up judging them. And because of that, though on the outward, Balaam seemed like a good guy and didn't want to do anything. But on the inward, he was trying to get money from the king and he wanted to keep money. So he found a way for, to, to get God's people to work against God's plan. Uh-huh. Right. Um, yeah. And, that, and that, that's even what what is happening uh, today. They just want money uh, for themselves and they're all they're all rich. Kenneth Copeland, he's like almost a billionaire. Joel Osteen, yeah. riches are beyond belief. It's all crazy. Um, and all of these false teachers are all rich and everything. Creflo Dollar, uh, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Stephen Furtick. I could go on and name lists, slews of people who are false teachers who are also extremely rich because they preach a false gospel. And, and I find it funny, not, well, not funny, but ironic, you could say, that all of the people who are preaching the false, like, prosperity gospel are the ones who are prospering from it and not the people who listen to it. You know, a lot of people ask that question, why do the wicked prosper? Mm-hmm. Well, they do for a short time. Right. Right. Not for eternity. Judgment. No, not for eternity. And that's the thing. And judgment day hasn't come for them yet. Right. <clears throat> and, and that's the thing. You know, it's really sad to see um, when you see some of these people so deluded that even on their deathbed, they try to continue to promote the cult. I, I think of uh, Mary Baker Eddy, who, you know, um, said to her followers um, that, you know, Christian science believes mind over matter. Mm-hmm. Basically, she's dying, which they would teach you really don't need to die. And on her deathbed, she said, tell my followers I'm committing mental suicide. I mean, even on your deathbed, <laughs> you're trying to prop up the lie. Mm-hmm. Like you have nothing more to gain from it. But that's how they, you know, scripture says they're, they're deceived and deceiving others. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's and what it, they're doing. Exactly. Um, and it's also, it's, 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 it's a tragedy. Um, the fact that they will be willing to 
give away their eternity for just a little bit of time on this earth for a, 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 an earthly lifetime of pleasure. And it's just yeah. sad. You know, because the question becomes, do they really believe there's an afterlife? Do they, right. do they think they're not going to be accountable to God? Mm-hmm. And, and this is why I think the scariest passage in all the Bible is Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Because many of these people are going to read that passage or hear that, what, what Christ says. So this is Christ speaking. And he says, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many great things in your name? Cast out demons, healed the sick, done many miracles. And I will declare to, to you, to them, I do not know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Yep. What's he saying? He's saying there's all these people who are thinking they're saved. They're serving God. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at these, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and these other cults, they seem so sincere. They have such zeal. But as it says in Proverbs, they're, they're zealous without knowledge. Mm-hmm. They're going to stand before Christ, and they're going to say, look at what we did. Notice it. It's not, look at what you did for us, Lord. Right. It's, look at what we did, mm-hmm. our works. And Christ is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's mm-hmm. scary. Right. And that's the end that they end up having. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's an it's a eternity of judgment in hell separated from God because of their works. Um, and their works aren't going to save them. Even, even if they do prophesy in Christ's name and cast out demons and perform many miracles and whatever, works don't save you. The works you do for Christ don't save you. It's by grace through faith in Christ alone. Uh, Going to the next point before we run out of time, um, let's just have a little discussion about the the different type of cults. So I've I've Googled um, a lot about cults recently. um, And the three main ones that I found were religious cults. uh, So things like Jehovah's Witness and, 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 um, Latter-day Saints, Mormonism, and everything, uh, Middle Eastern cults, um, and I don't, I don't remember anything off the top of my head, and Satanic and Black Magic cults, and that's kind of what um, a previous guest of mine, Doreen Virtue, was kind of in. Uh, it was kind of Satanic. It was Black Magic-ish. Um, and and that, that's usually called the occult. Right, yeah. Is, is that, and you know, Justin kind of, when, when he popped in, uh, unexpectedly gave gave some good definitions for the you know a theological cult or what mm-hmm. you said is a religious cult versus these other cults where again they what do they all have in common control mm-hmm. they have a control now who's doing the control in the occult it's usually not uh it's a control that's more demonic and that, so that's a little different right. because they're giving themselves over to that. But uh, yeah, so there are different types of cults that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and it's definitely worth it to go check out my, my podcast with, with Doreen. Um, it's just called Exposing New Age. So it's really easy to search up and it's, it's not that old. So it's like two or three episodes before this one. Um, but the last thing that we want to do is bring it back to scripture what scripture says about these kinds of things like cults. Um, 
Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10, uh, Paul is talking to the Church of Galatia, and he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if any man is preaching to a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For I, am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So Paul is talking about the perversion of the gospel, the fact that the gospel is being perverted, and it's very evident uh, that the gospel is being perverted, but people's eyes have been blinded to that, and they're not realizing it. And because of that, they are to be accursed for either preaching it um, and even believing it. Um, and then the next verse, uh, the next scripture that I have is uh, Matthew 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. Uh, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, but from frig, uh, nor figs from thistles are they. Uh, so every good tree bears good fruit, and bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a, a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that the that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Um, so once again, uh, Jesus is saying that we will know false prophet by the way that they live their lives, uh, by the fruit that they produce. Um, and it's kind of um, sad how people don't realize that these false teachers and these cult leaders are not um, showing fruits. And then the last scripture that I have is uh, talking about apostasy. Uh, and Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, but the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by the means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate, advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in, in by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected uh, if it is received with gratitude. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of scriptures. You know, one of the things people don't think about, there is talk about the fact that Jesus spoke more about hell than heaven. And that is yep. true. It is very true. There's, there's talk about the fact that Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell combined. And that's true. But some most don't talk about is that Jesus spoke about something more than heaven, hell, and money combined. And that is hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. People who think they're Christian and they're not. Mm -hmm. And that is the issue that you end up seeing with any cult. They, they profess a faith that they don't possess. Right. And that's the issue. Mm -hmm. Definitely, um, and, and all of them are hypocrites. Um, yeah, they they have, they're trusting in the self righteousness, like the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Right, they they are very 
uh, like very much so like the Pharisees. Uh, another scripture that I have um, that I just remembered, I'm not going to read it because it's a whole chapter, but it's Second uh, Peter chapter 2. It talks all about um, false prophets. Uh, I've mentioned the way of Balaam that's in Second Peter chapter 2 talks about the downfall downfall of false prophets. It's all in there. Um, and if you want to learn more about false prophets, go go read Second um, Timothy two, and that, that gives a lot of insight into that. Yeah, in fact, Justin always points out that every book of the Bible, except for one, talks about false prophets. The one that doesn't is Philemon. <laughs> all the rest talk about false prophets. So. You know, obviously, it's something that we have to be aware of. And a cult starts out as a false teaching until they can get control. Mm -hmm. This is why some think that Islam is a Christian cult, mm -hmm. because Muhammad was thought of himself as a Jewish prophet. And he thought he was the, the, a follower after Christ as a prophet. And yet he did end up controlling a large number of people. Mm -hmm. that, that becomes debatable whether that fits into the definition, but some try to shoehorn it. And uh, I don't think it fits in perfectly, right. but it sure has a lot of similarities. You have, uh, you know, someone who's giving revelation, you, he, you know, he, he speaks for God. He is twisting the scriptures. He is, you know, saying that the truth is not available outside of Islam uh -huh. and they stick to their own. Uh, really the issue, the harm is where I, you know, it becomes the issue. So could you say Islam is cultic? You could, depending where, like, you know, when we look at say the Roman Catholic church, they wouldn't fit the definition of a cult in America, but they would in other countries where they have the control. And so everything's there, but in some countries, maybe Islam would fit because they do have that control. And so that's the thing that that should give us who know Christ a, a great relief and a great joy that we have the truth mm -hmm. and that we can rest, that we have himself and the personal Holy Spirit indwelling us to illuminate his mind or his word to our mind, to give application of his word to our lives, mm -hmm. that we have his word as an objective standard that we could study. And that's what we do when we look at cults. We don't just go, oh, they're a cult. We take what they say and compare it to the word of God mm -hmm. and they fall short. And, and that's what it says in, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, if you look in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, and, and this is a passage people don't think about, but it says, for we could do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. In other words, you could twist, you, you could come up with all kinds of twisted versions of the truth. And when you compare it to the truth, it falls apart. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything against the truth. The truth will always stand. And that's why we can, I can take materials from Jehovah Witnesses and read it. And I go, okay, I compare that to scripture and go, oh, look at this. You mentioned this verse, but when I read it in context, I suddenly realize you've missed the whole point of the verse. Right. Right. Uh, twisting the scripture. First on one uh, verse four, it's, I, oh, sorry. First on four verse one, excuse me. Um, it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, so John, he's saying, 
don't listen to everything that you hear and believe it with uh, a blindly test what is being said and and put it against scripture there's a guy i know um i mentioned him in a an earlier podcast of mine it was actually the one with doran virtue um a guy named uh chris roseborough and at the beginning of every one of his youtube videos he says this is the channel that compares what people say in the name of god to the word of god and that's what we need to do as christians yeah and and any anybody that says that they can't be corrected by scripture be worried about them whether it be your pastor your your friend you know someone that's a religious leader because what did paul say Paul in Acts, when the Bereans are sitting there and comparing what the Apostle Paul says, Mm -hmm. they're looking at what he says, comparing it to Scripture, and he's saying, he's commending them for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We compare it to Scripture. That's how we test the spirits. Yep. Uh, Todd White, um, he recently came out and was like, I repent of, like, not preaching the full gospel. Then the next week he went on a spew and was like, they're, they're putting me in a place of, of um, guilt by association. And he was very prideful and very arrogant, even though uh, many people have called him out on the whole false teaching that he is doing. Um, he's just very arrogant about it. He talks about the American gospel and he's like, they made a movie about me. Actually, no, it's not about you, Todd. It's, it's about false, false doctrine. You just happened to. Teach he was. It. He was. Fe- he wasn't featured in it. He was one of many. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. But he makes it all about him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what that's what false teachers do. That's what cult leaders do. They twist scripture, make it about themselves. Um, they're very prideful. Um, it, it's a thing. I don't remember uh, what it's called. It's it's um, narcissus. They they yeah. use eisegesis and then twist it and make it make it about themselves. Well, uh, narcissus is the where they've what they've done is they make they twist the scriptures to say that the scripture talks about me. Mm-hmm. So when it's when it's David and Goliath fighting, David's fighting a, a Goliath. That's really me fighting a giant. Or right, right, right. you know, when, when, so you end up seeing that they put themselves into into scripture, mm-hmm. and so yeah. But they're really narcissists, mm-hmm. uh, is what they are. Yeah, uh, that, that was the very first example that I was about to mention. The fact that that they are like uh, just like David slay the giant of Goliath. Uh, I will take up the sword of God and and slay him and I will cut his head off and the giant of singleness will not prevail against you and you will win. And and every, every door that God closes is a window that he's going to follow up with. And and everyone believes it. And they're like, Oh, what, what what did this guy just say? And then they continue to blindly believe it. And it's just sad. Yeah. Um, but with all of that being said, uh, that is going to come to an end of the episode. I hope you all enjoyed, um, and I hope you were as surprised as I was that Justin Peters, of all people, uh, called Andrew and um, was actually a little mini guest on my podcast. Um, so thank you all for listening, and thank you, Andrew, for being a guest on, the, on today's podcast. And Thanks goodbye. for having me. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It has everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. First of all, Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor 
It's totally free. So if you are looking to record a podcast, go to the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. You can also check us out at Stonewall's Perspective on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the latest news. Stay anchored.